Hi, this is Bobcat Goldthwait. You're listening to Mono. Well, actually, you're listening to me talk right now. By the way, I'm not dead. The Mike Tomano Happening. Hey, welcome to episode 11 of the Mike Tomano Happening. It's good to have you aboard. And thank you for welcoming me aboard. Using Mike Watts' phrase, welcome aboard. Hey, if you haven't checked out our archived interview with Mike on the last episode, make sure you do. It's an extremely stimulating insight into a true artist, Mike Watt. Wow, what a, what a, what a deep cat. Awesome guy. Well, the impetus for my pursuing the podcast was my love of conversation with creative and passionate people and also a way to connect with people globally with shared interests. And the podcast outlet allows me to pursue that style of broadcasting that I visualized as a young boy listening to Chicago radio stations. You know, I wanted to just crack the mic and let it flow. And throughout my radio career, much of what I visualized in my head has been attempted, and some of it has been allowed to flourish and become part of who I am on the radio. And some of those visualizations, uh, you know, never allowed to see the light of day due to the format and time restrictions of terrestrial radio. So I'm really thankful to be able to produce this work in conjunction with my daily radio show. Communication is my forte. And the more avenues to do so, the better. So kind of organically, the recurring theme of this show has evolved to be one of inspiring creativity and feeding the interest of being creative. And I'm good with that. You know, I've been approached to do another podcast with kind of a niche for my outdoor endeavors. And we're considering that. But as Dirty Harry Callahan stated so eloquently, a wise man knows his limitations. So for now, this is the sole focus outside of my uh, daily radio show and music career and teaching. I think there's a, there's a weird thing inside of me. It must be like that Midwestern work ethic that you have to stay busy. You have to be doing something at all times. Or maybe it's the inherent Catholic guilt of being idle. I don't know. But I, I find myself at approaching 54 uh, next week. Busier than I think I've ever been in my entire life, but having more fun. So there's the payoff. As artists or people who hear any internal calling to a vocation, we begin with visualizing the possibilities and then we get started, right? We take a class, we get certified, we undergo proper training and instruction, and then the next step is our journey of realization of the pursuit. You play the first gig, you go on the first audition, portray your first role, you paint the first picture, you write that first short story, and then once that passion is realized in the form of pro or semi-pro employment or recognition by peers and admirers, getting calls to do your thing, after that, if you're serious, really serious, you specialize. It's one thing to be good, it's another to be unique. 
The people who inspire me are unique. They visualize, realize, and specialize their craft. And it could be anything. It could be art. It could be entertainment. It could be, you know, making furniture or doing electrical work. It doesn't matter. I like unique individuals. They bring me new ways of perceiving art or work or craftsmanship and in turn life. Richard Lewis, who I consider to be one of the greatest comedy minds of the last 50 years and someone whose dedication to craft has inspired me for decades, he once sent me a note with two words on it, stay authentic. And I carry those words with me in every aspect of my life, personal and professional. It's a simple mantra, but perfect. Whatever you do, do it bullshit free. Be yourself, grow yourself, and love yourself. So on to our guest today, Dennis Preston. The first time I met Dennis, he shot me in the head. So Dennis Preston, when I tell people about the first time we met, I tell him you shot me in the head, and I think that begs explanation. Hello, Dennis. How are you? <laughs> hey, Mike. How's it going? Good. A lot of people. You've shot a lot of people, haven't you? Uh, well, um, <laughs> no, no police are listening, right? Yeah, no. I... You are quite a, a few. Yeah, quite a few. So Dennis is a Chicago area special effects makeup artist, filmmaker, illustrator, designer, and I've had the pleasure of working with you on a couple of independent films and it's always uh always a blast so the first time was on a movie called the permit and you were in yes. charge of the effects and that's when i was first i'm going to tell you why i was so impressed with you on that day but uh i got to get shot in the head which was uh which was a, a strange feeling <laughs> And so we had that little dog. There was a little dog in the scene, and I played yeah. a I played a bad neighbor who aggravates someone, and they they uh, they shoot me. And you were using you know squibs, right? Well, I I believe that was the first time I actually used a fire uh, an HTO fire extinguisher uh, uh, to uh, achieve the effect for the blood effect. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because most of the time what I do is I use the uh, these little CO2 cartridges and the emergency bike tire inflators um, and just hook those up to some vinyl tubing and then just, you know, hit the CO2. But I think uh, the, when we did yours, it was the fire hydrant. Yes. And I remember the, uh, the first time we did a couple takes, but the first take, <laughs> and this was back when I was still learning. Yeah. Uh, we just had an open tube, which... It, it just came out like a like a like a broken faucet. It was just like bloop. <laughs> it was like a fountain. It was like a fountain yeah. shooting out. Well, that was the, that was the other actor, Ryan, and and yeah. you know oh, me, yeah, yeah, I see right. stuff that's like right. yeah. I was I was a quick hit. I fell down, and then the next scene, he gets shot, and you know you do your effect, and the effect you were still learning it, and you were trying it out this time. And it shot like a like a red fountain out of his head. It wouldn't yeah. stop. And so I'm on the ground laughing. Everybody's laughing because it looked so absurd and bizarre. But this is what impressed me, Dennis. You didn't you didn't crack a smile. You weren't mad. You weren't upset. You just kind of you reevaluated it. Okay, let's do another take. It happened again, or it didn't work, and then reevaluated it. You kind of looked at this, that, and the other thing, 
you didn't you didn't crack you were stoic you were right on the money and then you went back and it came out beautiful and i said this guy is really really passionate about what he does and he does not give <laughs> up but um well, well yeah so so i want to go back to to your childhood where did you grow up and what was what was your childhood like and, and what led you down this path well i mean uh i as far as effects and things like that i didn't really get into horror films and you know, special effects or anything like that until college, really. Um, when I was a kid, I, uh, well, first off, I grew up uh, in Crete, Illinois, and I still live here. It's a, a small town just south of Chicago. Um, and parents are always very supportive of me. I've always been into art. So, illustri- you know, drawing and painting and, you know, a whole bunch of all that stuff I've always been into. And uh, again, like I said, I didn't really get into horror films and effects until college because i i was 13 years old and i would look at a horror film and just because i thought it uh you know it was the right thing to do it's like oh yeah no horror movies are stupid and yada yada i know mm-hmm. blasphemy but uh i was like oh yeah you know who would, who would watch those and it's like well down the line i started watching them and watching it was just like well these are just some of the best cinema uh part of the cinematic universe out there i mean right. not to downgrade you know all the other genres it's just Horror films have their own unique flair to them that just draws a special kind of people, uh, and it, real magic happens on those kinds of sets. Right. But, uh, yeah, I didn't really uh, get into uh, effects there until college there, and uh, I, I, I started off with uh, taking classes by, Jane, uh, by Anthony Kozar, uh, who uh, was a graduate from an alumni from the college I was going to. So I took some classes and was getting into it and, you know, so you went to the, yeah, you went to the American Academy of art, right? Yes. Yes. I got a BFA in illustration. Okay. So you're drawing and, and then somewhere along the line, the love of movies and makeup took hold and, and, and Kosar is, is, is well known as well for doing this kind of Uh, stuff. Yes. Yeah. He, he won like, uh, it was season four of Face Off, I believe, and uh, he just got finished up with, uh, I believe, Candyman. He was the head of the effects department on Candyman, the the newest uh, uh, yeah. Candyman there. Yeah. Yeah. And his studio's out in uh, the west suburbs as well. So, so you you get this uh, this. So you, when you were in college, you were thinking, okay, I'm what you're going to draw comic books or you were going to be a graphic illustrator. What was the what was the end game there? Well, I can't. A hundred percent remember where the lines met, where because I mainly I was really into movie posters. But my professor said was like, well, that's too specific. You can't just do movie posters. You know, people like Drew Struzan and folks like that. Those those are the guys that corner the market. So big time. But anyway, uh, I can't really say for sure when I started to watch horror films and then going to make. I know makeup effects for sure. It started with Ant, um, with Anthony Kozar's classes. Yeah. Because as, as an illustration major, illustration is a very broad skill uh, in a, a variety of mediums. So I was just like, well, along with illustration, I'll just do, you know, everything else because I love doing everything from props. And now I love er- do everything from props and things like that. But so I, I can't 100% sure say, oh, well, it started on this day. 
you know, at yeah. this hour. And yada, it was kind of just yada. gradual while you were there. And, yeah. And then, and so your love of movies takes hold and you start doing makeup. And you've done, you've done some incredible makeup works. And I had the pleasure of visiting your house and walking into your home and seeing this beautiful house just filled with your amazing work and you you never stop working you're working all the time as a matter of fact even today going back and forth you were working on some stuff and and we're going to talk about yeah. how you became an independent filmmaker but so so do you get the idea to make a mask because you sell masks and and stuff at these uh conventions and whatnot and on your website do you get an idea for, like you just be drawing something and it's kind of a it, it just kind of comes to you and or do you have an idea specifically of what you want to draw and then it leads from there well i mean it's it depends on what i'm doing because i'm lazy and unless i have to so like if i'm designing a mask and it's like if i do, do if i do it on paper if i draw it out on paper and get it all nice and pretty and everything it's like oh that looks really good it's not going to look like that with clay for one my my fingers, my hands, and my mind—they think differently when working with clay because it's a three D medium. Right. So, rather than you know, with a pencil on a on a uh, flat piece of paper, even though I can make things look three dimensional on paper, it's it's not the same. So, regardless of what I do, it'll always look different. Because if I'm doing stuff with the clay, it's like, oh, this this one look cool, so let's do this and that, you know, and just. So I usually save time by just going straight into the clay if I'm if I'm working on a sculpture or a mask or whatever. Now there's certain things where it's like you actually have to design and plan for it or, you know, directors or art you know, whoever yeah. is in regards to film, they want to see what's happening. They want to see, you know, your idea and process. And usually the quickest way to do that is by doing a sketch because, you know, you throw down a piece of paper, you can sketch them out in ten minutes yeah. and be like, Hey, this is kind of where we want to go. And then back and forth, back and forth. So are all um, the makeup artists that you know really good at drawing, or is it because you say once you get your hands in the clay, it's a, it's a different ball game? Yeah. Well, I mean, there are. It depends on the person, uh, because some people, uh, you know, are just really good at sculpting, but they can't, you know, they can't draw, mm-hmm. you know, much more than a stick figure. Uh, because that's just how their their mind works or whatever. Um, and then some people are the other way around where they can draw really well. But as far as creating a 3D form out of clay or whatever, it's like just boggles their mind. I mean, I just, uh, you know, I'm I'm good at both aspects. Like, I feel like I'm good at both aspects. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, can, I can create something visually pleasing to myself either on paper or in a 3D form or on a, a person with prosthetics. Uh, which is a whole different ball game because you're sculpting it on, you know, their face, but it's not their live face. And yeah, I mean, it's 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 a whole, it, it's a complicated question to respond yeah. without other artists present. But then we'd probably be here for hours and hours and just be different aspects you know. of it. But yeah, but yeah. So, but but it's a jumping off point, just like it was when you were an illustrator, and then you took the Cosar class, and there was a jumping off point of okay, I know how to visualize things. And I can make them either on a piece of paper or I can make it with my hands with some clay and then make it 3D. But now you, you don't remember the exact point where you said, this is what I'm going to do. It just was kind of happening organically. But was there a particular film that you saw that made you think, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to stick hair and latex and stuff together. 
Uh, I don't think there's a particular film that made me. I, I like I said, uh, I know I can confirm for sure that I, I watched horror films and things like that, or started to before college. You know, like in in high school and things like that. Um, but there's not really one specific film that made me inspired to get into the field. It was more so. Again, it was at Anthony Kozar's class where it's like, well, I like. I, I like horror films and I like doing this and it's really fun to work on other, something other than paper and I, I think that's where my inspiration was was to see what I can do and yeah. branch out from there rather than a specific film so you're, you're kind of wrapped up in the class aspect of it so when did you get your first job doing makeup uh, well it was uh, in college actually and it was a film that never got finished uh, and the makeups were Horrible. I, I still have, you know, like a shell, uh, not a shell, a, a skull that was part of it. It was called The Last Daughter. And yeah, it was interesting to say the least. Um, I, I got to build a coffin for it. And then, you know, we had to, that was a fun time. We, we, we built the coffin and uh, I had to go before they were done filming. So I left it there with them. But they couldn't fit the coffin into their car, and there was a cop going around the uh, um, the the the, uh, the park forest or whatever uh, mm-hmm. the forest reserve that they forest were at. Preserve, yeah. So the, apparently, they had to break it apart in the woods and then throw it into the dumpster because they didn't uh, not the dumpster into the garbage cans because they didn't want the cop to see them putting <laughs> a dirty coffin into the back of their car. <laughs> uh, I really wish I was there for that moment, but. Yeah. Uh, from the from what they told me, <laughs> but yeah, no, there's a a lot of learning experiences on that set, uh, and I was still in college, so this was like when I was during the time I was taking Anthony Kozar's classes and all that sort of stuff. And how many uh, years ago was so, that? How, how long ago were you in college? Oh, geez. Uh, how old are you now? Well, I am uh, 28, and uh, I believe uh, it was I let's see, I graduated college and. 2013 oh okay so this is relatively new yeah no so i um i am yeah it's 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 only been like seven eight years since i've been i started doing this um so yeah no it's been a ride and i've been yeah and you've you've accomplished a lot and and i'm always seeing your name pop up i wanted to uh go back to something you said you know the film didn't get finished and Boy, you hear that a lot because there is nothing more difficult than seeing a film come to fruition. You know, there's the planning stages, the the beginning stages of writing it and putting it together, collaborating with a bunch of different people on a diff- bunch of different schedules, especially when it's a labor of love. And you've been able to get behind the camera and uh, and make some... And you don't just make short films that are like, you know things for people to put in uh, film festivals and kind of look at it or or experiment it with uh, lights and camera angles you're doing full-fledged like epic films and so they take forever and and it takes a lot of stamina i want you to talk about independent filmmaking first of all how'd you how did you decide okay i'm gonna i'm gonna put a script together here and and film something well uh i actually started doing well I guess filmmaking, if you want to call it that, they're very poorly made 
YouTube videos. But, uh, you know, we, me and my friends in high school did like, uh, like little martial arts, uh, short films and things like that. And again, these weren't even films. Uh, these were just because we get out of school and get home and we'd start filming this thing. Uh, and you know that we finished around nighttime because it would go from day to night in the short, uh, (laughs) (laughs) in the same scene. Right. And, um, and I never wrote anything or whatever, but it wasn't until college where I really started to like write, um, like I've written some novellas and scripts and things like that. And, uh, uh, my first actual film that I've been working on for the past two and a half, uh, well, three years now, uh, later started in college. So I made a short film called later and it was just an excuse for a fight scene out in the middle of the woods. Okay. And, uh, it was just a little six minute. Actually, you, you probably saw it. It was at the frozen film festival that Brian, uh, yes. put on, uh, and I showed it there. Uh, and during that time, we were working on making a uh, a sequel to it because I was going to make a, a like a trilogy kind of thing, like later, later on, and then now. So it was going to be like a little trilogy thing because I was worried about doing a feature film because it's like, oh well, schedule is going to be crazy. I mean, everything is just going to be a nightmare, and it's just like, no, I don't want to do a feature. But uh, it was actually Kevin Manning. I don't know if you sure. I know Kevin. Kevin. You uh, and I. He, uh, you and I and Kevin. You, it, this is the fun thing about Kevin. Um, Kevin is a very ambitious local filmmaker, but you and I he, and Kevin sat at a uh, at a table at a restaurant. I don't know if you remember this, and you and I went off on some other tangent from the conversation. And he said, "Guys, let's keep the conversation focused on film." Yeah. <laughs> do you remember? I don't know if you remember that, but I do not remember that. Yeah, was, we were having a burger like somewhere. Kevin. Yeah, because he wanted to discuss. It must have been it was. It, it, we, it we, were dis- we were discussing something, and he wanted to talk about vertigo. And you and I went off on some political thing or whatever. And he's like, "Gentlemen, yeah. let's keep the uh, conversation <laughs> focused on film." And I just thought that was uh, cute and very, very funny. But uh, yeah, sure. So he, and he was another guy. And these are people that pop up in these film festivals. I saw your stuff. I know you had a, a feel for uh, the action genre and the horror genre. And so, like you said, to put together an hour and a half film on on love and, and sweat is so difficult because you've got all these people involved and they've all got lives and day jobs and they have to go about their yeah. their business and then some people uh in my case i had a short film being made with brian and the brian we re- we we uh, refer to as brian polisek who uh is very supportive of the uh, local scene yeah. and and does a lot of things with people but i had given him a script and everybody I, that read it loved it they said it was very funny and then the girl that we were working with, she got a gig, I think it was like in Toronto or something, and right in the middle of it, you can't tell someone don't make a living, you know, and so uh, yeah. that got hung up. But yeah, so you, but you did go on to make uh, some some features. Well, I have not, uh, I've, later uh, is the first feature. Yeah. I'm getting close to completion. Right. So. Uh, I, I've done after... some voiceover in that, right? Yes, you you did. Yeah. You did. Um, the uh, so back with the 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 three short later later on and now 
it was we were working on later on uh which was going to be the second short film and kevin was a part of it and we had like a at the end of the day of shooting or whatever me and him literally he was about to leave but we were talking out front of his car for like an hour and a half like he was ready to leave he was leaning on his car door and we were just talking for an hour and a half and he's like you gotta make this into a feature film there's so much potential and yada 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 and i think that was uh oh five years ago i don't remember but yeah it took me a while but uh, i think after a year after that i was like okay well you know what this should uh i'm not i'm going to do it i'm going and there's many other parts along the road that i can't quite remember but i turned those three little shorts and i just took those stories and put it into one big script yeah so and i wrote that and we were looking and this was also after we were uh got caught up with clickers the the grindhouse creature feature there that's been on hiatus for quite a long time for reasons that don't need to be known in the public but um we we got caught up with it let's just say that and yeah i, I mean uh, i'm sure it has to do with the conflict or, or people that get involved and they you, you can't stay people, involved yeah, it, let's just people yeah, let's just say people yeah. are are, are the cause <laughs> behind well, uh, hey, I, you know what? People <laughs> people are a good idea, but people ruin it. That's what they say. Yeah, but uh, but yeah. So clickers later, and then like one other film, like one other thing that I wrote that was a feature length script. Uh, I was looking at those three, and I was talking with my main people that I work with, uh, like my friend Dusty, four seven seven film productions, and things like that, and. Uh, Asking is like, well, which one should we do? Like, I, I definitely want to do a feature because we just finished Fields of Red, which hasn't been edited yet. We it started to edit it, but it's 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 still it still needs to be edited and put together. But we just finished that short film, so my motivation to keep going was already, you know, in the in the highlights. You know, I was I was ready to go. I wanted to keep the momentum going because I didn't want to become that guy who said, oh, hey, let's make a film shoot the film and then never complete it right I, just, I didn't i don't want to be that guy uh, and so we were looking at uh at the three films there, clickers and later and all that stuff and we we're like okay well one the several aspects we were looking at was of course money uh two uh you know learning experience so with later the majority of it the biggest challenge was going to be the cage fight. So a whole bunch of extras, you know, because I wanted it to be populated. So that, and then getting extras. Those were my two main concerns with later clickers had, we would need an actual budget and yada, yada, yada. And I just, I knew we could not get that done the way I would want it to get done without more connections, yada, yada, yada. So that's what later has brought me later has brought me learning experience, uh, heck of a lot of learning experience. I can just yeah. tell you that now. Like everything I've done on later, and especially being uh, filming it over two years. So filming it over two years was, you know, looking back at other scenes and everything like that, and then more people coming on board. Yeah, uh, like my friend Corey Davis. Yeah, uh, he's actually working on his own film as well. Uh, and we're just looking at it it's like this. Was, we should not have filmed it like this and yada 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 so when you watch the actual film you'll see it go from mediocre to 
holy crap, these guys did this? Right. Uh, <laughs> well, that, so so. You're, you're calling for extras, and that's what I I remember when you were doing that about maybe a year, year and a half ago, you were, you were putting these calls yeah. out, these casting calls for extras. So here's this independent film, and you're doing a cage fight, a cage fight match. Yeah. And... In the caged fight, you've got actors, and so you've got to choreograph a fight scene, which, you know, that you talk about a learning experience. That's intense. And then you get all these yeah. people showing up. And so that was your first time um, jumping into, okay, now I have to direct an entire crowd. But it's getting close to completion. So what's the, what's the, the latest on later? Well, uh, I just got done. I haven't been able to work on later for several months because in – uh, June and July, uh, I was part of, of of a film called Parallels, which is a Lovecraftian horror film uh, by Con Dog Films and Rat Entertainment and all those folks. Uh, and uh, I was the head of effects for it, so I was creating all the yeah, you had all to the go work for that yeah. film. Yeah, and they can be found on Facebook there, like Parallels Film Group, I believe is what it's called. But okay. they're they're deep into editing right now. So while I was working on the effects and all that stuff for that, I wasn't able to work on later because I had no time to. And we just got back into it now. So with later, it is in the still deep in the audio phases of of editing. So we're mixing audio. We're we're doing our own foley sounds. Like, I don't want to, any, a lot of times when I watch independent film, like, there's a lot of great independent cinema, but there's a lot where it gets lost, like, you know, quality gets lost because there's deadlines or, you know. Yeah, there's restraints. The, the yeah. Tools and, yeah. So, audio is a big thing that I see in a lot of, you know, independent film that is just, like, Ooh, that like blows the, the, it. Yeah, the, is it, is it, yeah, it's not mixed right. It's something is off with it. And again, that's not all independent film. There's some a lot of awesome audio people in the independent film world. But um, I wanted to make sure that you know we've taken two and a half years to make this movie. Yeah, you might as well do it if the it best takes, you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, if we had a Kickstarter for it, I'm sure there would be people knocking on my back door, and be like, "Hey, where's our movie?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, right. Um, Luckily, uh, I think there is like probably all together, uh, cast, crew, extras, like a little over 200 people involved with this film. It's pretty wild, uh, man. Yeah. yeah, it's it's really, really Extremely crazy. Extremely ambitious. Um, and they're all loyal. Uh, you know, they're fantastic people. Hell, we were doing even... So during uh, the start of of the pandemic here, uh, we were like we were done with filming. There was like pieces here and there where like we needed to pick up shots or whatever. Yeah. But we were editing, and this was right before the pandemic really started. Uh, and my friend Corey was telling me, "He's like, hey, I, I have an idea, and it would require more filming, but I I want you to hear me out, and I think it would really help the film. You know, the story, the characters, everything like that." Uh, and we called that the Henry arc after we wrote it. And it was another 30 pages, like 30, 38 pages that we wrote. But at together. this point, you're like, hey, we might yeah. as well, if it's going to make it better, we might as well, yeah. we've got this much time yeah. and effort and in it. Why the, give it up? Yeah. So the, the, the story he told me, his idea he told me just was mind-blowingly like, holy, holy crap, we, we got we to gotta have this in the, in the movie. And yeah. Now that we have it and we have scenes edited and everything, and it's just... It, it really adds so much meat 
to the characters of the film. And we did it right as COVID started. So it was, you know, we were like, okay, well, let's start getting people together. And, and oh, let's hurry up oh, and stop. Yeah. Lockdown. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? <laughs> but here's we the thing. Actually, yeah. yeah. You're constantly on a learning curve. So you have, yes. you decide you're going to make a movie. So here's, you go from illustrator. Now you're sculpting masks and you're doing makeup effects for other people. You say, I'm going to make my own film. You make a short film, a teaser. You say, I'm going to make this uh, into a full-blown film. And now you've got to learn audio. You've got to learn this software, editing software. You've got to learn this oh, camera, yeah. that camera. So a, Scheduling a, alone was a learning Scheduling experience. alone I mean, is a learning experience. Holy yeah. crap. And I'm learning that now because I have interviews um, booked for this particular podcast months out and i have to they have to correlate Mm -hmm. to when people are coming through town other people are on tour uh and so i try to get some local people like you and some other people that i know because i I can kind of go to you in in our schedules free up a little bit but yeah it's it's a juggling act but even though even besides the paperwork that's involved you're constantly looking at because you're, you know, you weren't a musician. You weren't an audio engineer. You had to learn how to be one. You, you uh, weren't a script writer. You became one. So there's a constant learning that goes on in your passion. Oh, so, yeah. so it is film that that bit you. I mean, that's the thing. Ultimately, you want to put your stuff out there and you want to put your stories out there. But you make a living, and so when, like you said, you had to stop production and go be on the the, the makeup crew for this other film. And you also yeah. sell masks and illustrated shirts and stuff. So now Dennis Preston goes to college, comes out, says, wow, look at me. And now I'm doing makeup. And I started as a person who draws. And now you're making your own films. You're working on sets. And I think this goes back. Tom Savini, who I'm, I'm absolutely sure you know who he is. But for those oh, who yeah. might, no, th- yeah, those who don't, shows yeah, those who don't know, he he's a great makeup artist, but he's also a stuntman, a director, a writer, and an actor. Mm-hmm. Because when you get in the genre, or you get into not even a genre, into a field, whether it's music, uh, whether it's uh, theater, whatever, the more that you're able to do, the more you'll be asked to do, and you can keep working. And I talked to Tom Leopold, head writer for cheers and seinfeld on this program about that you want to be versatile and you want to be able to say oh you've got a makeup artist well do you, do you need a prop guy or do you need someone that mm-hmm. so i think you've applied that sort of uh, ethic and that's the another thing too with with being able to make your own film and going out and working on other films is networking is extremely important like you said it's like hey if you're talking to somebody it's like hey we need you know we need X. Are you able to get us X so we can make, you know, Z or whatever, you know, can you mm-hmm. get us a makeup artist or a sound guy or whatever? Like we, I have a, like I, I used to, when I first started doing this hunt them, you know, gigs or models or whatever for body paint or whatever, you name it just on Craigslist when it used to be free to post things and yada yada. <laughs> but uh, I remember hunting people down and um, looking for gigs and whatever else just, searching on Craigslist in college and just things like, Oh, film gig. Cool. That's, or, yeah. you know, whatever. Uh, but now it's like, I don't need to do that. People either come to me yeah, or, you know, yada, yada. So I don't, well, I don't you got out really, there. you got out there and did yeah. it. 
and you, you made a name for yourself. It's funny when you mentioned looking for body models on Craigslist. That's got to be uh, yeah. that's got to be fun. That's got to raise some eyebrows. You know, you're looking for I'm looking for females to paint. Would you like to be painted? But but I'm sure you well, met some yeah, people. I was that very way. I was very professionally detailed in what <laughs> I wanted to do. Uh, it uh, <laughs> and a lot of those people I, I've met several uh, models on Craigslist that are very good friends of mine now and have been ever since. Like I've known them for a very long time. Yeah, uh, you know it's 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 really and it was hard too because I didn't have any examples of work that I can just post and be like, hey, I want to do this. Right. You know, I, this is here's something I did. I didn't have anything like that. So, but yeah, no, it's it's nice now that and then again with another reason why I chose to shoot later first before another bigger project is now with later. So like I said, there's like 200 people on this project mm. easily, easily 200 people, all those people, you know, like with the cage fight, we had to, that was filmed over three days, not all in a row, but you know, three, three days in total. Mm-hmm. And the first, the second day when we were doing the actual cage fight, you know, we couldn't get it done because it was like, we got there around 6 a.m. or whatever, and it was already midnight or something like that, and people were starting to leave, not because they were angry or anything, but because it was getting late, and, right. you know, people have lives. And we were like, hey, so, it's still getting late. We still have so much to do. If we were to do this again, would you people still come back out? And, uh, you know, not even a heartbeat. People are like, yes, totally, yes. So now that we have worked on later and showed how we can uh, properly handle ourselves on set, people know we have a whole network of people that can, you know, confirm that, hey, if you work with Preston Perspectives and, you know, those guys there, they, they get shunned, you'll have fun, you'll have a good time. Yeah. And you'll make something cool. Yeah. You know. This is and real. So, yeah. Yeah. And then all those people, like the trailer – uh, our trailer for the film has like almost 40,000 views. Right. And that's because all these people were sharing and just, you know, they're like, Hey, you know, we can't wait for this to come out. And they're just pumping and pumping. And it really, you know, made me realize like, Holy crap. I'm like, we're, we're doing something right here. Yeah. There's a lot of wrong that we did along the way, but, but you learned. eventually we got, yes, we learned. And no, it's just, <laughs> you're an inspiration because I, I watch you and you're so wrapped up in it and you're having so much fun. I want to talk about your mask making and um, the cottage industry that you that you you do go to conventions and stuff and present your mm-hmm. sculptures and stuff. Uh, when did you first start doing that? I first started doing conventions. I believe in. Uh, I didn't start like vending at them right away. Um, it was in college there, and uh, uh, let's see. I'm when I was working on my first film that never got done because of let's just say people. Yeah. People. Uh, uh, yeah, it's all filmed and everything. It's just people. I understand. But anyway, so uh, we were working with somebody, uh, and uh, they were going to do a costume contest, and I used her. This was like actually a Craigslist model, and uh, so, or a model I found on Craigslist. Yeah, yeah. And I uh, uh, used her for a school project to you know do makeup on, and then used it as a reference to then draw for a concept. I think it was a concept class for junior year of college, I believe. And uh, she told us about Horror Hound Weekend in Cincinnati. And uh, so me and Ashley, my, my girlfriend Ashley, uh, we were invited to come along and then we were going to do the makeup 
of on her in the hotel room and then uh during the 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 convention there you know there's a costume contest and i think she uh we got into the top three for the costume contest with uh someone dressed as frankenberry uh like and it was a gigantic it was you know big pink head yeah 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 and it was a legitimate costume of frankenberry this thing was massive and then this other guy I don't remember their names. I think the guy in Frankenberry was named Mike Wong or something like that. Okay. But the other guy, he 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 was in this thirteen foot, you know, werewolf costume on stilts and everything. And okay, it was literally like thirteen feet up. So that those two costumes, along with the makeup I did, uh, were, you know, all three won that costume contest. Whatever. Anyway, so that started my run of uh, horror hound, and then. Uh, the next time I went to Horror Hound was Indianapolis, but also within the um, with Horror Hound there in Indianapolis was Mask Fest. Yeah. Now Mask Fest is as as great as Horror Hound is. Mask Fest is like nothing else. I mean, for someone like me, and I've been doing the show. I think uh, I mean it's coming back next year in 2022. Uh, and I think that'll be the eighth time I've done the show. Oh, cool. But that, uh, it's like a family of just, you know, creatives and mask makers and monster makers and just a whole slew of people that I've made lifelong friends with. So I've done, I was starting to do mask fest and, you know, creating things just for that show and be like, Oh, I got to create this and that. And then along the way I'd hear about other shows, uh, and so on and so forth. I mean, mask fest is probably the biggest show I do. Uh, but there is, uh, like the show I did, uh, last week was an oddities market yes. uh, run by the hardcore hearse club. I believe they're, they're called. And that was in Lombard, Illinois there at the Brower house. And that's a, that's a nice little show. It's affordable for, uh, for vendors to get their tables and everything. And it's always a good crowd. Um, so I, I go to that show. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, the convention life as a vendor is is really something special, especially if you go to a same the same show over and over again over the years. Yeah, that whole convention scene is it's it's a whole subculture under itself, and and that's neat. Um, so, but I want people to see. Obviously, this is an audio uh, medium, but I want people mm-hmm. to go to uh, PrestonPerspectives.com and they can not can they order stuff there. Uh, I I have technically an Etsy uh, an Etsy website, but it I never get any you know I, I might not be doing it right or something, but uh, so I don't really have an online store. But they can but see I, your I, stuff. I post, yeah, they they can see my stuff on PrestonPerspectives.com. There you'll find all my social media links and everything. I mean, like just now, uh, I I put out a. Uh, a post saying, Hey, we're going to be ordering more shirts for the failed experiments. Uh, you know, two different designs. If you want to order one, contact me directly with your size and shirt or hoodie or whatever you want. And then I'll place the order for you. And then, you know, yada, yada. Yeah. Well, it's very creative um, stuff, very creative stuff. And I was just, <laughs> I was blown away by some of the work you've done. Well, thank you. And and I want to talk about your movie collection. It it, it was so big because I was like, yeah, I got a few Blu-rays and some DVDs that I watch, 
You had like a whole <laughs> attic full of everything, westerns and comedies and horror films. Um, do you find time to watch films? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I consider that part of the job. Right, I mean, I, right. at the end of the day, or sometimes morning, uh, you know, going to bed around yeah. 11 p.m., you know, 1 o'clock in the morning, uh, you know, I watch something at least, you know, whether it's a TV show or a movie or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I'm, o I'm always watching stuff because it's I want to see what people are doing. I want to see how yeah. people are doing things. Because if you watch a film as a filmmaker or as someone who's part of the filmmaking scene, you watch it differently than you do as someone yes. who just... Yes, you're taken out of it a little bit and you're kind of watching, ooh, look at that angle and look at this, uh, yeah. look at the lighting there. So, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes yeah, you, you watch you, a movie and you get stuck on that and other times you got to just shut that off, I'm guessing, to take the story in. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's really hard to do that. I mean, I, I, I don't really have that much of a problem. Like, it doesn't bug me. Like, I can watch a movie and then really enjoy the story and then at the same time watch as a filmmaker as well and be like, Oh, they, they did that little, it's like, Oh, Hey, there's a continuity there. Why did they, why is the hair on that side now? Why is it? Right, uh, right, right. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, uh, uh, that stuff drives me crazy too. It's like, how come his glass is half full in this scene? Now it's full. Now it's almost empty. Now it's back to being half full. Yeah. What's going on here? But see, here's the thing. I see that a lot more in big Hollywood films yes. and TV shows than in independent film. Because independent film is trying so hard to be like, you know, like the big guys, but they, they do all this stuff and, you know, have the script supervisors and everything. It's like, hey, you know, the the continuity here and there. And, you know, there, there's so much less continuity error in and good independent films. There's some bad independent films that are just made bad because, you know, they wanted to make a stupid movie. Yes, but, but the people uh, who are hungry, who want to be noticed, are paying uber yeah. attention to stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. We're not we're not leaving the, the uh, as everyone knows, the, the Star, um, Starbucks cup next to the throne. Yes. Uh, <laughs> There's yeah. no like boom mic shadows over Mel Gibson. So what was yeah. that movie? Was it Ransom? Was that the name of the movie? Where he's uh, doing this remember. heroic scene where he's flipping out at a desk, and you can see the boom mic. I'm like, this is a this is movies a fifty million dollar movie. What are you doing? There's you know a boom mic yeah. in this. Anyway, but I get taken out of those all the time. But I, I wanted to throw a film at you that I just recently saw because I remember you had a a western collection. I was like, oh look at this. Oh, this is an old one. Wow, this is great. Did you ever see Bad Company with Jeff Bridges? Um, I don't believe so okay I mean, i'm, I'm gonna recommend that on, on, okay i'll have to write that down yeah it's it's tremendous storytelling i just came across it on like netflix or amazon prime and then okay. another film an independent horror film that reminds me of um working and talking with you did you see the movie spring well it's a great film okay. and it's uh it's amazing it's a it's an independent I mean, and i know i had it unless i lent it out to someone Anyway, the movie's called Spring, and it is, uh, it's a Lovecraftian, as we said earlier, uh, okay. creature feature, and I think it will blow you away. I just loved it. It's a great love story, too. Okay. And going back on the, uh, the Westerns there, I will say, uh, and this is like a miniseries that I saw on Netflix uh, like uh, two years ago, I think, but it was, uh, it's called Godless. 
Uh, have you seen this? Uh, it is a, a like a western where uh, an old mining town, all the men have died, you know, in a mining accident, and so the whole town is run by women, and uh, you know, there's these outlaws about you know coming to the town and yada yada. But the the way they shot it, the most impressive thing with the with this miniseries, uh, Godless, is that so at nighttime. You know, like if you live in the city or whatever, you see, you know, it's it's hard to see the stars because it's light pollution. In the film, wherever they filmed, they made sure that they they uh, were in a place where there was no light pollution because when when it was dark, so you know, back then you had to use the, the candles to you know see or whatever. Right. You know, at night they didn't have electricity, so when they use candles in the shot, that's literally all you see. Like it goes dark and you actually get a feel of like how it was back you know before electricity yeah it totally rings true right yeah and you can see the stars and everything and the way they they lit that film like using just natural light at night was really now i can't confirm if it was just natural light or whatever but at least the way but they, it rang the finished true. product yeah yes the finished product it rang true to what like i really felt like that was probably the strongest uh, reaction I, I've had from a, a Western film. Like, I don't watch many Westerns. I do love Westerns when it's done, you know. Exactly. That's how I when, am. Yeah. Like, you know, a Western is a Western. It's kind of, it's been done before. But, you know, you get things like, again, like Godless or Tombstone or, uh, you know, there's just. Unforgiven. Yeah. 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 I gotta find. Oh, here it is. Spring. I, I'm sorry, I was obsessing on this film. It's uh, oh, you're right. Spring. It's it's the uh, the catch or the what is it called? The tagline is "Love is a monster," and uh, I gotta get a copy of this to you because it blew me away. the The lead okay. actress. It was filmed in Italy. The lead actress is stunning. I mean, she just she's one of those actresses that grabs your attention whenever she's in the. I don't care where she is in the frame you're focused on her because she just she just brings it and the the actor mm-hmm. the protagonist is is fantastic i'm trying I, I can't read without my glasses on but anyway i'm an old man you're a young man you're a very creative young man <laughs> so check out spring i'm going to check out godless and i want you to All come right. back on before uh halloween and we'll do a geek out on our favorite prosthetic makeup horror films from the 80s does that sound like a, a good geek out for us that sounds like a fantastic idea. <laughs> well, Dennis, it's always it's always cool to hang with you, man. I get inspired every time I talk to you. And my favorite thing is to come and hang with you and your crew because you have got this stable of dedicated guys out there and girls doing some great stuff. So if people want to see your work, once again, where do they go? Well, if they want to see my work, you go to PrestonPerspectives.com. I post mainly to Instagram, but I just recently started the whole TikTok uh, thing. So if, if people are on the, the TikToks there, I will be posting just about as much as I do on Instagram on, on that platform as well. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I will be in touch with you and continued success. And uh, thanks for taking time out with us. Yeah. Thank you for having me. The Mike Tomato Happening.